Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. tenure to supply this type of aid to Ukraine. Are you still happy with the decisions? Are you talking about the Javelin? The Javelin and also the, the just the, the whole aid package. Yes. Do, do you think it's sufficient? Do, do you think we're giving Ukraine enough money? That's a hard question because one can always use additional funding. That said, I think that the Congress has been very generous in voting for security assistance and other forms of assistance for Ukraine. See my time is coming to an end, Mr. Chairman. Thank the gentleman. Uh, we'll now go to member five-minute rounds. I recognize myself for five minutes. Uh, Vasily Ivanovich, I want to follow up on some of the questions from my colleagues. Some of the early questions seem this is to Adam Schiff, of course. your testimony here was completely irrelevant to the issues at hand. Why are you even here? Isn't this just some small matter that should have been referred to HR? So I want to uh, bring our attention to someone who thought you were actually very important to this whole plot or scheme, and that is the President of the United States. There was only one ambassador, I believe, who was discussed by the President in the July 25th call, and that was you, Ambassador Ivanovich. And I want to refer back to how you were brought up in that conversation. At one point during the conversation, the president brings up this uh, prosecutor who was very good, and it was shut down, and that's really unfair. And I think you indicated earlier that that was a likely reference to Mr. Lutsenko, the corrupt prosecutor, is that right? I believe that is the case, but I don't know. So immediately after the president brings up this corrupt uh, former prosecutor, I'm sorry, my staff is correct, me, only one American ambassador is brought up in the call. Immediately after the president brings up this corrupt prosecutor that he praises and says he was treated very unfairly, 
He then encourages Zelensky to speak with Giuliani, the guy who orchestrated the smear campaign against you, correct? Yes. And he then brings you up. So he praises the corrupt prosecutor. He says, I want you to talk to Giuliani, the guy who smeared you. And then he brings you up. He obviously thought you were relevant to this. But what is even more telling is immediately after he brings you up and says that you, the woman, was bad news, he says, there's a lot, I, a lot to talk about about Biden's son, that Biden stopped the prosecution, and a lot of people want to find out about that, so whatever you can do with the attorney general would be great. Immediately after praising this corrupt prosecutor, he attacks you, and then he goes right to Biden. That would indicate to you, wouldn't it, Ambassador, that he connects you somehow with this prosecutor you were at odds with and his desire to see this investigation of Biden go forward, would it not? You're absolutely right that that is the thought progression. My colleagues also asked, in pushing you out of the way, mm -hmm. ultimately Ambassador Taylor got appointed. Is Ambassador Taylor the kind of person that would further Giuliani's aims. Uh, and I think we can all agree that Ambassador Taylor is a remarkable public servant. Absolutely. But what if the president could put someone else in place that wasn't a career diplomat? What if he could put in place, say, a substantial donor to his inaugural? What if he could put in place someone with no diplomatic experience at all? What if he could put in place someone whose portfolio doesn't even include Ukraine, might that person be willing to work with Rudy Giuliani in pursuit of these investigations? Yeah, maybe. That's exactly what happened, wasn't it? Yes. And my colleagues also say, well, the security assistance ultimately went through. So if they sought to condition or bribe Ukraine into doing these investigations by withholding security assistance, they ultimately paid the money. Are you aware, Ambassador, that the security assistance was not released until after a whistleblower complaint made its way to the White House? Yes, I'm aware of that. Are you aware that it was not released until Congress announced it was doing an investigation? Yes, I'm aware of that. And finally, I want to ask you about the call record that my colleague read at the outset. I'm curious about this, and just for people watching, at home so they're not confused. There are two calls here. There's the perfunctory congratulatory call after Zelensky is inaugurated, which uh, my ranking member read this morning. Mm -hmm. And then there's, of course, the very problematic call in July. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the reasons we are here is what happened between April and July. But there was a readout put out by the White House at the time the April congratulatory call was made. And the White House readout said that the president discussed with Zelensky helping Ukraine root out corruption. Now that, in fact, doesn't appear anywhere in that call. So I want to ask you, Ambassador, why would the White House put out an inaccurate reading? Why would the White House represent that the president said something about corruption when he said nothing about corruption in that call or, in fact, in the one in July? I can't answer that question. I don't have visibility into that. I thank you. 
Boy, the hearing's going to be pretty much our show today. You know, we will have the hearings. We will take calls. I will offer commentary. I'll be popping in from time to time throughout the hearings to let you know who's speaking and what's being said. I yield now five minutes now to recognize uh, the ranking member. I uh, just remind the gentleman there's actually three calls. So now there's it's Devin Nunes' turn, the, one the guy who's suing the fake cow. In our there last hearing a couple of weeks ago. Ambassador, I just want to clarify something before I yield. Are you against political appointed ambassadors? Is it not the president's uh, prerogative to appoint whoever he wants in any country? First of all, I am not against political ambassadors, I just to be clear. To, I just wanted to clear that up. Uh, now can I yield to Ms. Stefanik? I need your permission. Uh, you may yield. Thank you. Ambassador, before I was interrupted, I wanted to thank you for your 30 years of public service from Mogadishu to Ottawa to Moscow to London to Kiev. Um, I also wanted to thank you for hosting the numerous bipartisan delegations. I led one of those delegations in Ukraine. My questions today will focus on three key themes. The first is the role of the president when it comes to appointing our ambassadors. The second is long-standing corruption in Ukraine. And the third is aid to Ukraine. Earlier this week, as you know, we heard from George Kent. And I know that Mr. Kent is a colleague, a friend, and someone who you deeply respect. In his testimony, he stated, all ambassadors serve the pleasure of the president. You would agree with that statement, correct? Yes. And in fact, he elaborated. So the argument that she's going to try and make here is the president Everybody can do whatever he wants with regard to ambassadors. So what's the big deal? And, in your and own Ukraine was already corrupt. So what's the big deal? And finally, what's the big deal? There goes. The president is that correct? Yes. And just so there's no public confusion, you are still an employee of the State Department, correct? Yes. And in the deposition, you say that you personally asked whether it would be possible to be a fellow at Georgetown University, and that was arranged for me, and I'm very grateful. That's where you're posted today, correct? Yes. Georgetown students are lucky to have you. We are lucky to have you in Foreign Service, and I again want to thank you for your tremendous public service. Shifting gears to corruption in Ukraine, in your powerful deposition, you described, quote, we have long understood that strong anti-corruption efforts must form an essential part of our policy in Ukraine, and now there is a window of opportunity to do that. And so why is this important, and why is this important to us? Put simply, anti-corruption efforts serve Ukraine's interests, but they also serve our as well. Is that still your testimony? Yes. And particularly at the critical time in 2014, after the Ukrainian elections, you testified that the Ukrainian people had made clear in that very election that they were done with corruption. Correct? Yes. And you also testified that the Ukrainians thought it would be a good idea to set up this architecture of a special investigative office that would be all about the crimes of corruption. Correct? Yes. And I know this was before you arrived in Ukraine, but you are aware that the first case that the US, UK, and Ukraine investigators worked on was in fact against the owner of Burisma. Yes. And that was during the Obama administration. Yes. And in your testimony, you and you said today... So now the strategy changes. It's all Obama's fault, and it has to do with Burisma, and therefore Joe Biden. ...hanging on a hook, right? 
That's the, your quote. Yeah, the Ukrainian investigation was never closed. Partnered with the U.S. and the U.K. As I understand it. Yeah, although because we didn't see the Ukrainians moving forward on that, we no longer partner with them uh, on that case or in that way. But let's take a first step, uh, a step back. The first time you personally became aware of Burisma was actually when you were being prepared by the Obama State Department for your Senate confirmation hearings. And this was in the form of practice questions and answers. This was your deposition. And you testified that in this particular practice Q&A with the Obama State Department, it wasn't just generally about Burisma and corruption, it was specifically about Hunter Biden and Burisma. Is that correct? Yes, it is. And the exact quote from your testimony, Ambassador, is, Bingo, quote, here we go. The way the question was phrased in this model Q&A was, what can you tell us about Hunter Biden's, you know, being named to the board of Burisma? So for the millions of Americans watching, President Obama's own State Department was so concerned about potential conflicts of interest from Hunter Biden's role at Burisma that they raised it themselves while prepping And, and they were, and he shouldn't have been on the board, but that has nothing to do with Donald and Trump trying to subvert a foreign country to get himself reelected. Uh, Stefanik here is just, uh, she is uh, grasping at straws. We'll be back. And lastly, in my 20 seconds left, I just want to get it on record. Tom Hartman program. Lethal aid, which you were an advocate for. It's that the was not hearings. provided by President Obama. It was provided by President Trump. That's correct. I yield back. You know, CBD is great stuff. It doesn't get you high, but it sure does do a good job in your body. Uh, we've been using New Leaf Natural CBD oil for a while now. CBD oil is non-intoxicating, which makes it great for people who want the health benefits of cannabinoids without the mind-altering effects of medical marijuana. And it's, it's non-toxic, plus it has potent pain-relieving and anti-inflammatory properties. The brand that we use is New Leaf Naturals. New Leaf Naturals is the highest quality CBD oil on the market. It's 100% organic, highly concentrated, contains no additional additives, grown in the United States, and the only ingredient is hemp. So the product remains in its most pure and simple form. Go to newleafnaturals.com, that's N-U-LeafNaturals.com, and save 30% off and get free shipping in the U.S., when you use the code TOM, spelled T-H-O-M, go to nuleafnaturals.com. For premium cannabinoid wellness, there's only one place, nuleafnaturals.com. That's nuleafnaturals.com, nuleafnaturals.com. Just to bring you up to date, Marie Yovanovitch, who, is the, who was the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, she is just an absolutely extraordinary person. As a foreign service officer, as an ambassador, she was abruptly removed from her post on the 6th of May after being told that she was going to be there for another three months. Now, keep in mind, yesterday when I went through this timeline of what happened back in April of this year, that was when Zelensky, President Zelensky won the election which was broadly expected by most of the world. I mean, the polls were showing that Poroshenko, the corrupt former president of Ukraine, was going down in flames. But that's not what the Trump administration thought. I don't know, maybe they'd been watching Fox News or something. But anyhow, so the Trump administration had, through Levin Igor, cut a corrupt deal with the previous president of Ukraine that sometime next year, they would announce that they were going to be investigating, or maybe even sometime late this year, that they were going to be investigating Joe Biden and his son Hunter for corruption. 
and then Poroshenko gets voted out and the new guy comes in who is a genuine anti-corruption guy and who knows that there's, you know, that Joe Biden wasn't doing anything corruptly. His son being on the board of this energy company, it looks kind of skeezy, but that wasn't Joe Biden. Although it's increasingly becoming, I'm sure, problematic for his campaign. And I think this is one of the reasons why you're seeing, why you saw Bloomberg jump in and why you see Duval Patrick now jump into the race. Because the billionaire class, the donor class, the Democratic donor class is starting to freak out about the possibility that Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders might be president. But in any case, but I digress. So, you know, they had cut this deal and so they had to cut a new deal with the new president. Trump, on July 18th, Trump withholds the military aid. On July 25th, Trump demands the Biden probe. This is the famous phone call. On September 1st, Gordon Sondland, the Portland hotelier, who gave Trump a million bucks for his EU ambassadorship, he tells Ukraine that the aid is contingent on their dragging Biden through the mud. On September 9th, the whistleblower's report is communicated to Congress, and then two days later, the military aid is magically released. I mean, that's basically the summary of the timeline following that. So, anyhow, Marie Yovanovitch has testified that she was basically her long history of foreign service. She's still employed by the State Department, by the way, and she has a fellowship at uh, Georgetown University. She testified that Trump pressured the State Department to fire her. She said this was, quote, a concerted campaign against me. And the reason why is because she was opposing Giuliani and Igor and Lev and the two former corrupt prosecutor generals of Ukraine who were associated with Poroshenko, that she was opposing this shadow diplomacy plan that Trump and his thugs were running in Ukraine to try to smear Joe Biden. She was like, this is not U.S. policy. U.S. policy is to promote transparency and openness in Ukraine, not to be doing things in Ukraine, not to ask Ukrainians to do things in Ukraine that will help Donald Trump in the 2020 election back in the United States. She said, I was incredulous that the U.S. government chose to remove an ambassador based, as best I can tell, on unfounded and false claims by people with clearly questionable motives. Trump tweets, Democrats must apologize to USA. Ukrainian Foreign Minister Vadim Pritsyko said that, quote, United States Ambassador Gordon Sondland did not link financial military assistance to a request for Ukraine to open up an investigation in former VP Joe Biden and his son Hunter Biden. Ambassador Sondland did not tell us and certainly did not tell me about a connection between the assistance and the investigation, end quote. To put this into perspective, Trump is taking the word of a person who is not the president of Ukraine. He's the, the foreign minister. And I'm guessing that this is a quote from a few weeks ago when the Trump administration was leaning so heavily on the Ukrainians to do this and to say, oh, Trump didn't do anything wrong. What the Democrats need to do, starting, I mean, as I was listening to Adam Schiff's opening talk, you'll recall, you know, for the last couple of weeks, I've been saying, I've been yelling at my TV, quit using quid pro quo, quit using Latin, start talking about bribery. Bribery is specifically named 
in the Constitution as, a, as something to be impeached for. And that's clearly what's going on here. Quid pro quo is simply, a, you know, Latin for bribery if it's got illegal intent. Similarly, obstruction of Congress or obstruction of justice is just another phrase for cover-up. So if anybody listening knows Adam Schiff, please tell him, stop talking about obstruction of Congress or obstruction of justice. You can use that language in your articles of impeachment. That's where it belongs. But when you're talking in public, talk about cover-up or massive cover-up or corrupt cover-up. Pick an adjective, but this is a cover-up. Anyhow, Trump declared the fake impeachment inquiry is now dead. Ray Tuckman of KPFK shared with us a quote. I think probably the most cogent quote for the day. This is from Bobby Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy, Sr. He said, every time we turn our heads the other way, when we see the law flouted, when we tolerate what we know to be wrong, when we close our eyes and ears to the corrupt, because we are too busy or too frightened. When we fail to speak up and speak out, we strike a blow against freedom, decency, and justice. So in her testimony, Marie Ivanovich, who worked 33 years in the State Department and Diplomatic Services, was describing how she felt when she discovered that Trump had described her to the president of a foreign country as, quote, bad news. She says, I was shocked and devastated. She said, the color drained from my face. I think I even had a physical reaction. I think even now words fail me. Mr. Goldman, the Democratic prosecutor questioner, said, now you testified in your opening statement that you had left Ukraine by the time of the July 25th call between Trump and Zelensky. When's the first time you saw the call record for this phone call? And she says, at the end of September. And this is when she talks about how shocked I was. She said, he shows her another comment from Donald Trump and says, what was your reaction when you heard the president of the United States refer to you as bad news? Now, think for a moment of what has happened to Christine Blasey Ford. I mean, to the best of my knowledge, she and her family are still in hiding and still receiving regular death threats from right wingers, from these the QAnon folks, the people who believe this vast, bizarre conspiracy that Donald Trump has been promoting and the people around him, including Roger Stone, by the way, who is just convicted on all counts, seven counts, including he was convicted of lying to Congress. And he said the reason why he lied to Congress was because it would look bad for Donald Trump. It's looking increasingly like this is really, really going to harm Trump, in my opinion. So Yovanovitch, she says, I can't believe it. I mean, I was shocked. I was appalled. I was devastated that the president of the United States would talk about any ambassador like that to a foreign head of state. And then he tweets that she was a terrible ambassador. And Adam Schiff calls this witness intimidation, which it was. Times you're recognized. Ambassador, thank you for your testimony today. Those of us who sit up here are supposed to be dispassionate and judicial and measured, but I'm angry. And I've been angry since I learned about your summary and unexplained dismissal after a lifetime of excellent and faithful service to this country. I'm angry that a woman whose family fled communism and Nazism. This is Congressman Jim Hines, a Democrat from Connecticut. Not in Paris or in Rome, but literally under fire in places like Mogadishu and Kiev. 
I'm angry that a woman like you would be not just dismissed, but humiliated and attacked by the President of the United States. And I'm not just angry for you, I'm angry for every single Foreign Service officer, for every single military officer, for every intelligence officer who right now might believe that a lifetime of service and sacrifice and excellence might be ignored by the President of the United States, or worse yet, attacked in language that would embarrass a mob boss. Now, it's the President's defense, and it's emerging from my Republican colleagues today, that this is all okay. Because as the President so memorably put it in his tweet this morning, it is a U.S. President's absolute right to appoint ambassadors. I'm a little troubled by this idea of an absolute right, because that doesn't feel to me like the system of government we have here. I think that how and why we exercise our powers and rights matters. Ambassador, when you're ambassador somewhere, do you have the right to ask the intelligence community, the CIA in an embassy, what operations they're doing? We talk about these things collaboratively. There's some things that, in short, yes. So you have the right to ask the intelligence community in your embassy what they're doing. Why, why might you do that? Because sometimes operations have political consequences. Right. So the performance of your duties in the interests of the United States gives you the right to ask very sensitive questions of our intelligence community in your embassy. But what if instead of working through the issues that you just described, you went to dinner that night and handed over that information to a Russian agent for $10,000? Would that be an appropriate exercise of your right? No, it would not. It would not. And what would happen to you if you did that? Well, I can't even begin to imagine, but I, I would imagine that I would be pulled out of post. Right. And, and this is not about ambassadors, right? A police officer has the right to pull you over. But if the police officer pulls over his ex-wife because he's angry, that's probably not right. I have the right. In fact, today, I cast a bunch of votes. But if I cast those votes not in the interest of my constituents, but because somebody bribed me, that is a severe abuse of my power. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. So I guess the question is, why, after an exemplary performance as ambassador to Ukraine, did the president decide that you should be removed? Because I think we just agreed that if that was not done in the national interest, that's a problem. Ambassador, if you had remained ambassador to Ukraine, would you have recommended to the president of the United States that he asked the new Ukrainian president to investigate, and I'm quoting from the transcript here, CrowdStrike or the server? No, uh, I would repeat once again that the sure. U.S. intelligence community we'll right has back. concluded that it was the Russians. Okay, so Ambassador, if you had remained as ambassador and not been summarily dismissed, would you have recommended to the president that he ask a new president of Ukraine to, quote, find out about Biden's son? No. I have no more questions. I yield back the balance of my time. Mr. Conaway. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, I actually now just got sent to enter the record 
Dear colleague, letter from Speaker Pelosi dated September 23rd, relevant part reads, we expect, we also expect that he will establish a path for the whistleblower to speak directly to the House and Senate Intelligence Committees as required by law. Without objection. Thank you. I look forward to you honoring that statement from the Speaker. Attorney Ambassador, Ambassador, I for one want to thank you so very much for a long service, exemplary service to our country and on behalf of our nation. Lots been said about what was going on around the phone call. I'd like to focus more on what's happened since then. Okay, we, we were listening to Jim and, Himes, where and, we've now uh, moved to a Republican so member of Congress who's questioning got the word, anytime so a we'll change goes. the post, there's a process you go through to depict what you do next. Just this is Mike Conaway from Texas, Republican from Texas. What happened when, Texas. You, uh, when you came back here as to what your next assignment would be at its state? So when I came back, obviously it was uh, sort of out of cycle. There was nothing set up. Sure. Um, and again, I am grateful that Deputy Secretary Sullivan asked me what I would like to do next. I recalled that there was the fellowship at Georgetown and asked whether that might be something that could be arranged. Was that your only choice? I'm not sure. Uh, we okay. didn't really discuss other options. Um, my sense is Georgetown is fertile ground for State Department recruitment <laughs> of future fledgling Foreign Service officers. And so they now benefit from your experience and your inspiration to inspire them to have spend their professional life in service to our nation. Thank you. You're a fellow there. You teach classes. How many classes do you teach? Well, this semester I was supposed to teach two. I am still teaching one on national security. Uh, the other one was on Ukraine, and I asked whether I could... You know, that. That, uh, tell me, tell me students in your class. I think he's just um, like trying to pass time uh, and be friendly. I don't, I don't get where he's going with this. Uh, any it. other responsibilities of state other than the, the fellowship at Georgetown? Well, I will tell you that all of this has kept me very busy. Okay, I got that. But no necessarily day-to-day -day things that you'd be responsible yeah. for. Other and by the way, Speaker Pelosi just came out and made a statement that witness intimidation is a crime. Okay. This is very interesting. Worried Donald Trump is burying you himself. Might be treated back by your to, fellow employees of state? Any negative, are they hold you in less high regard than they used to as a result of this? Do they shun you at the lunch counter? Or they, do they treat you badly as a, as a result of the way you were treated by, uh, by the president? I've actually received an outpouring of support okay. from my colleagues. So the folks I think what he's trying to establish is that uh, uh, Trump hasn't hurt her. Although, you know, saying that she's a terrible person, basically, and she's uh, going to go through some things ago, to another foreign president would like to be the is pretty member. grim. Uh, he's like, oh, I would sure like that. Any, any reason on earth that you can think of that George Kent would be saying that because of some reason other than the fact that he believes it in his heart of hearts? Like, like what? Well, I mean, like somebody paid him to do it. Oh, no, absolutely Okay, so not. you and I agree that we think he was sincere in that, in that bragging on you, and that's all post-recall uh, episode that there was much of the discussion this morning. Well, I'm glad that your colleagues, I would have expected nothing any different from your colleagues at State right back to, with uh, more. to continue to treat you with the high regard that you've earned uh, over all these years of great service. And I, uh, I hope that whatever you decide to do after the Georgetown Fellowship, that, uh, that you're as successful there as you've been. You are listening the first to the Tom Hartman Program. Article, uh, so it's really rather pathetic what these Republicans are trying to pull off. I mean, they've tried, they, they just can't get their hands around this at all. We'll be back with more of the hearings. Put in the record without objection. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Breaking news. I finally found a topic everyone can agree on. No matter what party you support, the ideas you believe in, or opinions you may have, we can all agree on the fact that aging stinks. Under eye bags, fine lines, wrinkles, crow's feet, no one can escape it. 
Luckily, I found just the product to help. It's called Plexiderm Rapid Reduction Serum, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates all your key signs of aging. And the best part is it works in minutes. Now that's newsworthy. No bias here. Plexiderm works. And with all the holiday parties coming up, there's no invasive surgeries, no complication. And the best part is no one has to know that you're wearing it. It's remarkable. You'll look just like you, only years younger. Go to triplexiderm.com and use my code TOM, T-H-O-M, for 50% off plus an additional 10 bucks off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning the code TOM, T-H-O-M. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit triplexiderm.com today and use the code TOM at checkout, T-H-O-M. That's triplexiderm.com, code TOM. I have unanimous consent request, an article entitled Schiff, panel will hear from whistleblower, Arkansas Democrat Gazette, September 29th, 2019. Without objection, the time of the gentleman has expired. I now recognize Ms. Sewell. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Ambassador, in your prior testimony, you spoke so movingly about your family background. You stated that your parents fled communist and Nazi regimes, and that they valued freedom and democracy offered in America, having experienced totalitarian regimes. Did that have any effect on your desire to enter into the United States Foreign Service? Yes, it did. Did you always know that you wanted to be in the Foreign Service? I look at your background, and it is perfectly suited for what you're doing. I note that you studied at the Pushinsky State Russian Language Institute in Russia to learn yeah. Russian. Yeah. That you have a, do you also have an MS from the National Defense University National War College? Yes. I even noticed that you earned a, your undergraduate degree in history and Russian studies in college and coincidentally that was also my college and you're, you definitely are doing Princeton in the nation service by uh, you. what you do every day. But I really want to know how it felt to have your reputation sullied, not for state and nation, but for personal gain. You spoke about how your service is not just your own personal service, it affects your family. And today we've seen you as this former ambassador, this 33-year veteran of the Foreign Service, but I want to know about you personally and how this has affected you personally and your family. Yeah. It's been a difficult time. I mean, I'm a private person. I don't want to put all that out there. But it's been a very, very difficult time because the president does have the right to have his own uh, or her own ambassador in every country in the world. But does, it, but does the president have the right to actually malign people's character? I mean, it may not be against any law, but I would think that it would be against decorum and decency. I mean, there's a question as to why the kind of campaign to get me out of Ukraine happened. Because all the president has to do is say he wants a different ambassador. And in my line of work, perhaps in your line of work as well, all we have is our reputation. And so this has been a very painful period. How has it affected your family? I really don't want to get into that, but okay. thank you for asking. 
Because I do care. I also want to know how you think it affected your fellow colleagues in the Foreign Service. My Republican colleagues have said that since you received such adulation from and embracing from your own fellow colleagues, that what occurred, the incident that occurred with the president and his cronies, you know, maligning your reputation, how has that had a chilling effect on the ability and the morale within the Foreign Service? Can you speak to that? Yeah. I think that I think that it has had exactly that, a chilling effect, not only in Embassy Kiev, but throughout the State Department, because people don't know whether their efforts to pursue our stated policy are going to be supported. And that is a, that is a dangerous place to be. Now, for the record, my Republican colleagues will probably try to paint you as a never-Trumper. Are you a never-Trumper? No. Um, as a Foreign Service officer, you took an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States without regard for who's in office. Is that correct? Yes, that's true. Have you also served in your near 33 years for not just Democratic presidents, but also Republican presidents? For Republican presidents. For Republican presidents. In fact, you joined the Foreign Service under Reagan. Is that not right? Yes, that's true. Now, why do you think it's really important that Foreign Service officers are nonpartisan? Can you talk to us about why it's important for you to do your job and your fellow Foreign Service officers to do your job that you're nonpartisan? Yeah, because our work is essentially nonpartisan. And Senator Vandenberg, a Republican senator who actually partnered with President Truman, coined a phrase that politics should stop at the water's edge. And I think that's exactly right, because while obviously the competition of ideas in a democracy with different parties, different individuals, is hugely important, but at the end of the day, when we are dealing with other countries, it needs to be about what is right for the United States. Those are our national security interests. And whether an individual works for the CIA or the military or the State Department, we've got to be nonpartisan and thinking about what is right for the United States. Well, on behalf of a grateful nation, I want to say thank you for your service. And I yield back the balance of my time. Thank you. Mr. Turner. Ambassador, I want to tell you I have a great deal of respect for what you do. I serve on the Armed Services Committee, the Intelligence Committee. I've worked with the NATO Parliamentary Assembly, including being its president, and I know the complexity of, of what you do. I know you have little access directly to decision makers, little resources, but you have still a great deal of responsibility. It's a complex task, and I want to take us from just the concept of one-dimensional Ukraine being corrupt to the other issues that you had to deal with as the Ukraine ambassador. You had to deal with more than just our bilateral relationship with Ukraine, for example. And I'd like confirmation that, I mean, obviously I know you know these, but these were on your portfolio. You had to deal with the issue of the OSCE Budapest Agreement and the uh, denuclearization of Ukraine and the issues of its territorial integrity of the signatories, correct? Um, could you run that by me again? The OSCE, mm -hmm. um, the Organized Organization for Security and Cooperation for Europe, mm -hmm. and the Budapest Agreement, under which Ukraine gave up its nuclear weapons and believed they had its territorial integrity mm -hmm. guaranteed by the United States and Russia. Mm -hmm. You would have had that in your portfolio. Well, that... Was an yes. issue you would have to do with Ukrainians on. Yeah, when the Ukrainians would ask about our policy and whether it was in keeping with the Budapest Agreement. Excellent. NATO. Ukraine is an aspiring NATO country. And of course, you have the Bucharest summit where the U.S. and the NATO allies made a statement that they would get membership. That would have been on your portfolio. 
They would have been uh, discussing with you. Yes, their, certainly absolutely. aspirations to NATO membership would right. be. And it's also consistent with U.S. policy that the U.S. supports Ukraine joining the EU, and they have a great deal of interest and, and desire for joining the EU, correct? Yes. And they just had a, a summit in Ukraine in July where they talked about the associated agreement on economic integration between the Ukraines and the EU. And they also had a discussion about the illegal annexation of Crimea and the blocking by Russia of the Ukrainian sailors that came out of the Azov Sea and that were, were captured. Those would have all been issues that would have been in your portfolio and that were consistent with what the EU's issues are, correct? Yes. We work closely with our EU partners. In addition to Ukraine, you'd have to work with France and UK and Germany, all of which you have different ideas. Of what he's trying to do here basically is saying it's okay that Gordon Sondland was France. in Ukraine messing with yeah. Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, did you say they all have different ideas about these issues? Some of them, yes. Um, but, but mostly there's a consensus. You'd have to work with NGOs, non-governmental organizations on issues that we heard about legal aid, human trafficking, building democratic institutions, and even HIV AIDS, right? Yes. And you've spoken at several NGOs while you were the ambassador to Ukraine. Yes. Now, the U.S. ambassador to the EU, they would have under their portfolio aspiring nations to the EU, would they not? Yeah. Okay, so EU Ambassador Sondland then would have had Ukraine in his portfolio because they're an inspiring nation and he's our U.S. ambassador to the EU, correct? I think he testified that one of his first But you agree that it's within his portfolio, correct? You would agree that it's in his portfolio, would you not? Yes. I would agree. Yes, that thank you. Now, I, I want to go to the next I'm question. sorry, can you finish your answer, Richard please? Holbrook is um, a person who which General I suspend. have a great deal of, of General reverence for. I'm not Ambassador Ivanovich had not finished her answer. You may finish your answer, Ambassador. Not out of my time. You're done. No, right? Ambassador, the Ambassador will be recognized. I would say that all EU ambassadors deal with other countries, including aspiring countries, but it is unusual to name the U.S. ambassador to the EU to be responsible for all aspects of Ukraine. I, I, I'll, I'll take your additional answer. It's still in his portfolio, which was my question. You, you knew Ambassador Holbrook probably. I did. He's a man of great integrity, one of our most successful a ambassadors. Um, you know him probably by his reputation. You would agree that he was a man of great reputation, right? Yes. Yes. Madam Ambassador, would it surprise you if in 2004 John Kerry had a member of his campaign who was a foreign policy advisor who traveled to the U Ukraine in July and met with Ukrainian officials and the U.S. ambassador? Would that surprise you? A member of John Kerry's campaign team for President of the United States in 2004 traveled to Ukraine, met with the U.S. ambassador in July. Not necessarily. What Would was you have taken that meeting if, if a member of John Kerry's campaign traveled to the Ukraine? Would you have taken that meeting? I guess it would depend on what the purpose of the meeting was. Well, that meeting actually occurred, and it was with John Holbrook. John Holbrook was a private citizen, traveled to Ukraine, met with the U.S. ambassadors, met with Ukrainian officials. He was also there on about HIV-AIDS, which was, in addition, something that the Clinton Foundation was working on. So we have a, a official of the John Kerry campaign in 2004 as a private citizen meeting with our ambassador in the Ukraine. Time of the gentleman is expired. unusual? We meet with private individuals all the time. It probably wasn't unusual for Julia. Gentlemen's time has expired. Mr. Carson, you're recognized. So he was Thank trying to say, oh, Thank Giuliani, you, that's just fine. You know, John Kerry tried to do that. Of corruption. Yeah. We heard evidence that you were now, successful now we have, uh, at promoting Mr. Car uh, efforts to address Carson, corruption. Uh, Democrat, uh, On Wednesday, in testifying about your very sterling career as a champion of anti-corruption efforts in Ukraine, 
Deputy Assistant Secretary George Kent said, quote, you can't promote principled anti-corruption action without pissing off corrupt people, end quote. It seems that your efforts as ambassador to essentially reform the powerful prosecutor general's office in Ukraine did exactly that. Madam Ambassador, what concerned you about the prosecutor general's office when you were the ambassador in Ukraine? What concerned us was that uh, there didn't seem to be any progress in the three overall objectives that Mr. Lutsenko had laid out, um, most importantly for the Ukrainian people, but also the international community. So the first thing was reforming the That little echo there is coming from the congressional hearing. It sounds like there's more than one microphone open. Authority not only to conduct investigations, so an FBI-like function, but also to do the actual prosecution. So very, very wide powers, which is part of that Soviet legacy. And there just wasn't a lot of progress in that. There wasn't a lot of progress in um, handling personnel issues and how the uh, structure should be organized and who should have the important jobs because some of the people in those jobs were um, known to, were considered to be corrupt themselves. Secondly, the issue that was tremendously important to the Ukrainian people of bringing justice to the over 100 people who died on the Maidan during the Revolution of Dignity in 2014. Nobody has been held accountable for that. And that is, you know, kind of an open wound for the Ukrainian people. And thirdly, Ukraine needs all the money that it has. And there is a strong belief that former President Yanukovych and those around him made off with over $40 billion. $40 billion, that's a lot in the U.S. It's a huge amount of money in Ukraine. And so, again, none of that money has really been, uh, I think maybe $1 billion was repatriated, but the rest of it is still missing. Madam Ambassador, was the head of that office corrupt? We believe so. And you got the sense, did you not, that he was a driving force behind some of the attacks against you? I did. Uh, which ultimately led to your removal, correct? Yes. But it wasn't just him. Uh, his allegations were picked up and spread by Mr. Giuliani and Donald Trump Jr., were they not? Yes. So, let me get this straight. You were effective at fighting corruption in the Ukraine. Fighting that corruption was important to the national security of the United States, and you were punished for that ultimately being removed from your post by the President of the United States. So in your opinion, Madam Ambassador, why is it important to have a nonpartisan career in the Foreign Services? I think it's important to have a nonpartisan career Foreign Service office, or service, I should say, sure. uh, because what we do is inherently nonpartisan. It is about our national security interests. It's not about what is good for a particular party at a particular time. It has to be about the, the, the greater interests of our security in, frankly, what is an increasingly dangerous world. You're listening to Tom Hartman. People are always asking me, is the ex-chair really as comfortable as you say? And my answer is always yes. In fact, I probably don't do a good enough job describing just how great that chair feels, so, or this chair. So take my advice, get one and feel it for yourself. Thanks to the ex-chair's 30-day, no questions asked, guarantee of complete satisfaction, you have no risk. So if you're wondering if what I say is true, try it for yourself. Once you feel the ex-chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar support, their DVL, 
You'll understand exactly why I love my X chair so much. Take advantage of X chair's new financing option and increase your productivity with the right model for you, the X Basic or X1 through X4. The X chair can fit your body and your budget. X chair is now on sale for 100 bucks off. Just go to xchairtom.com. That's xchairtom.com or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR. Go to xchair.com now and use the code WHEELS and you'll receive a free set of the new X wheels with your X chair. xchairtom.com. That's xchairtom.com or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR. Could you briefly describe for us what broad U.S. policies you have sought to advance in your 33 years of service, and specifically in post-Soviet states like Ukraine? Well, that's a broad question. Uh, but I think that certainly in my time in Russia, Armenia, Kyrgyzstan, all of these countries are very different, as is uh, Ukraine. And But I think that establishing a positive constructive relations to the extent that we can with those countries is really important. You know, I mean, there are three basic areas. One is security, the second is economic, and the third is political. And so working all the sub-issues, your colleague mentioned many of them, you know, we certainly did that in Ukraine as well. Thank you for your service. I yield to the chairman. Thanks. Dr. Wenstrup. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And, and Madam Ambassador, thank you very much for being here. And I, and I just want to start by saying I appreciate your years of service. This is uh, Republican Winstrom. And enduring years Winstrom? of moving around the world to dangerous from... places. And hearing from you today, I realize that we share some of the same feelings and experiences as an Army Reserve we'll right Surgeon. Back. I received a call on a Monday afternoon in March of 2005 that told Ohio. me I was being deployed to Iraq and I had to be out the door in the next two to three days. I, I had patients scheduled for months. I had uh, surgeries scheduled um, and had to go. So I understand that shocking feeling that, that can come with some abrupt change like that. And I was processing a few days later, and uh, I was told What's absolutely fascinating to me is how the Republicans months, are trying to be nice to her. I served a year in Iraq. You know, and a day before yesterday with Kent and Taylor. And this is where I have you know, some of them tried to be nice, but most of them weren't. Relationship with what but you now, the, you know, it seems like Iraq I think that they've all figured out Trump is guilty as hell. And sadly today, even though it helped to remove Saddam Hussein, they still have corruption concerns in Iraq. And uh, I can relate to what you said just a few moments ago, that it feels like an, an, an open wound when it hasn't been resolved. But you might imagine with that military experience and background, I take an interest in military strategy and capabilities and the thoughts of those with boots on the ground, like you and Mr. Volker and Mr. Taylor. Uh, in your deposition on page 144, your quote is saying, in terms of lethal assistance, we all felt it was very significant that this administration made the decision to provide lethal weapons to Ukraine. Just real quick, who in general makes up we all? Would that be the team I mentioned? Just, just one sec. What line is that? Well, I have to move on. I only so you said we all felt it was very significant that this administration made the decision to provide lethal weapons to Ukraine. I assume that is those that have boots on the ground. And, and then this administration, I assume you meant the Trump administration. 
Yes. Yeah, okay. In your deposition, uh, also on page 144, you spoke about the generosity of Congress. You mentioned it today, increasing aid to Ukraine. And part of your deposition, um, after that statement that I quoted before, you asked, did you advocate for that? You responded, yes. Then you were asked, did you advocate for that prior to the new administration in 2016? And you responded, well, yeah. On page 148, you were, the question was, you were, were you satisfied that the administration was doing what was necessary to support Ukraine? You said, in what respect? And they said, in, you know, helping them deter Russian aggression, helping them with foreign aid and foreign assistance. And you said, yeah. And I agree that that lethal assistance was very significant, as you said. And I thank you for that. And I thank Mr. Volker and I thank Mr. Taylor. You know, Acting Ambassador Taylor was uh, here Wednesday. He testified about the president's decision to withhold lethal aid. And he said the president felt it, it might provoke Russia. And Mr. Taylor contested then that Russia has already been provoked and they have invaded the Ukraine. Is this, is, this is just like Phil. You know, I mean, the, it's, it's really to make quite, it's fascinating, fascinating stuff. And it's, it's fascinating to hear Republicans like this guy, uh, you know, trying to. Um, yeah, I mean, there's an interagency trying, trying to find so some little well, thread the that they can pull on, but there's just like no threads. I mean, you know. Trump, he has the right Trump committed a crime here, and she she suffered for it. States, as do all presidents, correct? You're listening to Tom yes. Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com so for audio and video archives. And what's truly yeah. astonishing is she got the it's phone call to say, you know, Trump wants you out of the there when she was at a ceremony for a woman who'd had acid thrown on her who died from that for did. fighting corruption. We have another president, Trump vetted those that were going to receive the aid and provided it consistent with your intra-agency recommendations and that of your, your colleagues. Let me just ask you from a military standpoint, without javelins, would you agree the Russians had much greater military offensive options and flexibility in their effort to attack the Ukraine? With, without the Ukraine having javelins. Yeah, I mean, they had another option. Um, although the tank war has, is no longer the war that is being fought in Ukraine. Yeah, but I'm just saying with the javelins. Yeah, it's another option. And there's a reason for that, because the javelins are there. And so yeah. I think that that changes the scenario. But I, I just wanted to, to make that point, that the president has a right to have their own foreign policy and to make their own decisions. And with that, I yield back. Yeah. If I could just um, supplement one of my answers. Of course. Um, so I want to thank you for your service as well. But what I'd like to say is while I obviously don't dispute that the president has the right to withdraw an ambassador at, at any time for any reason, but what I do wonder is why it was necessary to smear my reputation. Also. Well, I wasn't asking about that, but thank you very much, ma'am. Representative Spear. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, thank you, Ambassador, so very much. This is Congresswoman Jackie Spear, Senate and on a she voice vote, is going to be yes. good. So unanimous, yes, Republicans and Democrats, correct? Yes. No dispute. You said that in summer of 2018, the smear campaign began in your testimony earlier today. Did Secretary Pompeo at any time come to your aid? Well, my understanding from uh, Assistant Secretary Phil Reeker and Deputy Secretary Sullivan is that, um, you know, this sort of the, 
rumors about me, if, uh, for lack of a better word, the smear campaign, which was behind closed doors at that point, um, that uh, there were a number of discussions between the president and Secretary Pompeo and that he actually did, did keep me in place for as long as he could. That's what I was told. So it appears that back in 2018, the president was already making noises that he wanted you out of there. It appears that as early as April of 2018, Mr. Parnas was at a fundraiser for the president and recommended that you be removed. And then subsequently, in May of 2018, was pictured at a White House dinner with the president. And then later in May, made a contribution of over $325,000 illegally to the president's reelection campaign. Are you aware of that? I'm aware of the, 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 the press about those things. Does that um, help you understand a little bit more why this smear campaign was underway? Yes, I mean. All right, you uh, made some very riveting comments in your um, statement this, this morning that I just want to repeat because I think we should have you expand on it. You said, I've always understood that I served at the pleasure of the president. I still find it difficult to comprehend that foreign and private interests were able to undermine U.S. interests in this way. Individuals who apparently felt stymied by our efforts to promote stated U.S. policy against corruption, that is, to do our mission, were able to successfully conduct a campaign of disinformation against a sitting ambassador using unofficial back channels. Now, as I listened to you make that statement, I was thinking of all the other persons in the Foreign Service who now have to be concerned that it's not good enough to follow the stated U.S. foreign policy, but also to be aware that maybe the president has a back channel of interests that he is promoting that is diametrically opposed to our stated foreign policy. Can you expand on that, please? Well, I think that um, it's important uh, that whoever is representing the president, uh, an ambassador, uh, speaks with the full authority of uh, the president and our foreign policy establishment. And if there are others who are also helping uh, with, um, uh, with the responsibilities in that country, for example, Ambassador Kurt Volker with his important mission uh, to bring peace to the Donbass, um, that we all speak with one voice, that it's all about our common security interests, and that it's not about, um, you know, personal gain or commercial gain or anything else, that it's about our national security. But in this case, the Trace Amigos appeared we to are be more listening to Jackie in Spear uh, questioning uh, the Democrat into uh, questioning an anti-corruption effort in Ukraine. Is that correct? That appears to be the case. Um, you were told at one point in 2019, in February of earlier this year, you spoke to a minister in Ukraine who warned that when it came to Rudy Giuliani, you needed to, quote, watch your back. What did you understand him to mean? I, I didn't exactly know, um, but, uh, you know, the, the rumor was out there at that time. And in fact, I think this minister also shared that information with me that the mayor was working to have me removed. 
Let me just say, um, to conclude, that you have endured an orchestrated character assassination, that it was hatched over a year and a half ago, and that it's laced with enormous campaign contributions to the president's reelection campaign. And you deserve more from the American people, and you deserve more from Congress in supporting you. I yield back. We'll be back with more of the news and more of my thoughts and yours in this uh, kind of national town hall meeting we have here every day on the Tom Hartman program. And in the meantime, don't forget democracy is not a spectator sport. Never was intended to be. It requires you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 